0: Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. You know, throughout church history, the last verse of 2 Corinthians has been called the benediction. Or literally, benediction means the blessing, the well wishes. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Don't go back yet, this is not a benediction. (laughs) Tonight, I want to talk to you about knowing the love of Father God. And this is a very important truth that is central to the Gospel. Paul's daily prayer to the Ephesians, and of course to us, is that we will be rooted and established in love, not in duty, not in law, not by pressure, but rooted and grounded in love. But the love of God can only be known and experienced by revelation. A revelation of how wide, how long, how high, how deep is that divine love? Because having that revelation will determine the extent you will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. More importantly, this was Jesus' final prayer for us, knowing the love of the Father. If you can, turn with me to John chapter 17, and this is right after the Last Supper. Jesus was all by himself in the upper room, praying alone. And here it says in John seven, uh, 17, The last two verses, verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you. Notice, Jesus calls God Father. Everybody say Father. Father. Do you know how many people struggle to do that? To relate to God as Father can be very uncomfortable, scary. Especially when there are deep pains and Emotional wounds, they're unresolved in their hearts. How can you relate to someone you don't even know what he's like? Or if you have a distorted image of who he is, how to build a relationship with a person like that? You need a revelation of what Father God is like. Turn to somebody on your left and right, say you need revelation. You need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to break through all the misconception, the wrong cultural ideas, the wrong family ideas, sometimes even the wrong church ideas of what your heavenly Father is like. Without revelation, there's no way you can build a relationship with Him. And this is why so many of you are stuck. You're stuck. Because your understanding about God is stuck. I told you last week, if your knowledge of the Bible is only like this, you will always be like this. You can't build deep intimacy with Him. The concept of Father means God is the source. One English translation says it like this. Can we all read John? 5 verse 26, this is from from God's Word translation. Let's all read together. The Father is the source of life and He has enabled the Son to be the source of life too. So Father implies the source. He is the source of life. He is the source of love. He is the source of your identity. The more you know Him, the greater your self-worth. You know who you are. I have a Father. Father is the source of your provision, the source of your protection. The more you know Him, the greater your sense of security. He's a supporter, He's a promoter. He's a source of wisdom and guidance. The more you know Him, the more you discover significance and purpose. Without a Father, you become very vulnerable because there's no source to draw from. There's no one here for me. I'm all on my own. There's no one to help me, no one to protect me, to provide for me, no one to guide me, no one to train me, to prepare me, to support me, to empower me to go forward in life. You will feel very insecure, vulnerable. If you have no father, there's no one to represent you to stand up for you. So you must fight for yourself. Have you ever heard people say that? I gotta fight for myself. Who's gonna fight for me if I don't fight for myself? So you have to act on your own behalf, for your own interests. If there's no one to promote you, then you end up promoting yourself. And you see a lot of self promoters out there. If you have no father, there's no sense of purpose or direction. So you feel lost. You struggle to find fulfillment in life to satisfy the emptiness in your soul. You have a hole in your soul. So you try to find fulfillment from people, from things, to get attention, the approval of others. Look at what I own. Look at what I have. I got the latest iPhone. I got the latest Samsung. I have the latest car, the latest Tesla the latest uh, BYD. (laughs) Look at how I dress. Look at my expensive watches, my bags, my shoes, my accessories. You become very driven, high strung, so you don't experience peace and rest because you're always worried about success, about achievements, all the time, all the time, all the time. You're like an app running in the background that cannot stop. So even when you sleep, you're worried, you wake up. You feel so tired. You can become very competitive and very jealous of other people's success. So you're always comparing yourself with others. All this can get very tiring and very frustrating. And no matter what you achieve, it will never be enough. You will still never be happy. And this is why God has a heart for the fatherless. I I love this verse. It says over here. Where's the verse? Psalm 68 and verse five. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. He wants you to know Him as your heavenly Father. As wonderful as our natural fathers are, they are unable to fully represent God for what he's really like. Now, we have received many good things from our earthly dads, but we also have received many distorted things because none of them is perfect because they have their own weaknesses and their own brokenness. Many of our fathers might be hot-tempered and stern. Some of you grew up with abusive dads who shouted at you, beat you up, vent their frustrations at you. Many young boys accidentally found a secret stash of daddy's pornography or caught them watching porn. It shocked them greatly. My hero doing this. And they themselves become addicted to porn. Many dads are distant and cold, very performance oriented. Years ago, we had a girl from a top school in Singapore. She has seven A's and one B. And her dad blustered her, expressed his disappointment that she didn't get all straight A's. This is a very common story for so many people here in Singapore. I know a young man whose dad was a very successful businessman. And even as a boy, he could never go straight to his room to talk to him like that. He had to make an appointment before he could see his own daddy face to face because his dad wanted to teach him that this is how the real world functions outside. Sometimes our natural parents, our natural fathers, they are not with us. My own dad lost his father when he was only six years old. So he never experienced the love of a father until he became a Christian when he was almost 70 years old. Let's just look at Jesus' prayer again. Jesus' prayer, John 17 and verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. Now, this word know means to be intimately acquainted with someone, having experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge, not just knowing by what you read, but you have experienced Him. Jesus has very intimate knowledge with his heavenly Father, and he came to reveal who God is like. This is the big deal, because until Jesus came, people didn't really know that God is a very kind and tender-hearted God, that he's a very loving Father. This was something nobody knew. They called him Almighty God, the sovereign creator the Ancient of Days, the Most High God, the Lord Most High, the God of armies of angels. So they knew He's powerful. He's great, He's mighty, He's holy, but they never knew His heart, that He is love, that God is love. And this is the real, real reason why Jesus came, to tell the whole world that God It's your loving Father. Turn to your neighbors and say, God is your loving Father. Yeah. Do you know the Old Testament called God Father only four times? Only four times. But the moment Jesus came, God is called Father over 250 times. This revelation transformed the entire New Testament and shapes every part of what it means to be a Christian. The fatherhood of God, the fatherhood of God, the fatherhood of God. Yes, he's your savior, he's your healer, he's a provider, he's a deliverer, he's Jehovah Nissi, your banner, your victory, your deliverer, yes to all that. But you never experience him as the father of love. You have missed the real, real reason why Jesus even died on the cross. Without this revelation, Without this experience, your salvation is superficial, cold, mechanical. Jesus knows the Father very well. No one has seen Him, but only the Son, who dwells in the bosom of the Father closest to Him. John chapter 1, verse 18. Jesus is the express image of Father God. Hebrews 1, verse 3. He perfectly represents Father. Jesus looks exactly like him. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, Jesus says. Some people think God is angry all the time. The other day I went to social media and I was scrolling and I saw an IG and this preacher, he was saying, God is angry all the time as if he can't wait to judge people, judge cities and nations for their sins. If you think God is like that, then you become like that. You become a very angry person. Whenever you feel people don't live up to Bible standard. You want to judge them. You want them condemned. You want them punished. You know, one time Jesus and his disciples came to Samaria. The people weren't open to him. James and John got so upset, so angry, so angry. They wanted to call down fire from heaven to punish the Samaritans. But that's not God's heart. Jesus refused to be offended by the Samaritans. You see that? Jesus had zero anger. <laughs> Turn to your neighbors, do this action, say zero anger. <laughs> but you know, today so many people are like James and John. So many Christians are like that. Oh, God is angry with sinners. He's going to judge this place. He's going to burn down this place. He's going to punish it. Guys, we are not like that because we are Pentecostals. We look at life through the lens of God's love. And because God is love, He is slow to anger. God is a very merciful and gracious God. That means He's not trying to judge you, to punish you, to destroy your life. He's very patient and He's very long suffering. He's a very good God. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. He's abounding in loving kindness and very compassionate. What does that mean? That means God is easily moved by your struggles, and your needs. If you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus in the four Gospels. You will find a savior who says, learn from me, learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Come and find rest for your soul. This is how you rest, from all the stress, all the worries, all the frustration. You come into the love of God. You want to know what the Father is like? You see how Jesus treated people. How he treated others when he was happy. How he treated people when he was sad. When he was tired. How he related to broken people. To people who are rich, people who are poor. To the sick, the weak. How he treated them when he saw their needs. When he saw them struggling. In Jesus' time, sinners and tax collectors, they were the outcasts of society. Jesus always made them feel welcome and had meals with them. You know, in that culture, eating together is honoring people, valuing others. I I love it. Bishop Dad came and said it's so important to honor and to value. That's the culture of the kingdom. Jesus didn't treat people according to how they lived, but according to the value he saw in them. We like to judge, criticize people based on what we see or what we hear other people say, but not Jesus. He made everyone feel welcome, special, important. He shares the kingdom of God to them and healed them and brought restoration and wholeness to them. He may not agree with their lifestyle, but he always values people. Amen. For example, Jesus didn't agree with the lifestyle of the, of the adulterous woman. She was living an immoral life. She was in adultery. Jesus says, "Look, this is wrong. You're living in sin." But she refused, but he refused to condemn or despise her let's go back to his prayer. I want you to see this. John 17, verse 25. Can we all read this? Verse 25, 26. Let's all read together. Starting now. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them. Here Jesus is talking about his disciples. He has made God the Father known to them. How many of you You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Put up your hands, yeah? What the Father wants is a loving intimacy with us, with you. A deep personal relationship that you can experience His love and enjoy His love. To know how much Father values you. That you can feel very close to Him and hear His voice very clearly every day that He's your Father, that He cares about every little detail in your life. And this is what eternal life is all about. Look at John 17 and verse three. We just go up a little earlier. Let's all read together the word symbol three times as loud, starting now. Now, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you see this? This is what eternal life is all about. A relationship with God. It is not about things. It's not about getting blessings. It is about connection. The intimacy you can come into. This is the whole purpose of being saved. Salvation is not a fire insurance to escape hell in the afterlife. Salvation is not a ticket to become rich and famous, and live a life of comfort and ease as you pursue your own desires. No, salvation is coming into a loving embrace of your heavenly Father, your source, to have intimate communion with Him, and to experience His love. Verse 26. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the most important part, the last verse of Jesus' final prayer. By the Spirit, Jesus wants to continually give you more and more revelation of your Father so that the love of Father God, the love that Father has for Him, for Jesus will be in you. Wow, can you imagine that? Jesus wants us to experience the same love Father God has for Him. This is really, really the climax of the Christian experience. When I have God and His love, I have everything. Turn to your neighbors and say, with love you have everything. One major issue that so many people struggle with is rejection. And the only permanent cure for this, for rejection, is the love of your Heavenly Father. If you have a problem with rejection, you will always struggle with it if you don't have a deep revelation and experience of the Father's love. Now, all of us experiences rejection once in a while, so that's not a big deal. But when it's more than an emotional distress, and you feel a persistent sadness, a persistent disappointment that doesn't go away, making you frustrated, maybe making you angry, making you constantly feeling lousy about yourself, then you are lightly oppressed by a spirit of rejection. When you are harassed by a spirit of rejection, it affects the way you feel, the way you think, the way you see life, the way you respond to people. There are three things a spirit of rejection does. Number one, a spirit of rejection attacks your identity. Who are you? Who am I? This spirit, this demonic spirit, wants to tell you your identity is attached to what you have, your possession, your position, to what people say about you, all those external things. A spirit of rejection will push you to believe your personal value, your self-worth, your identity, who you are comes from what is outside of you rather than what you are on the inside, that you are a child of God. And if you're always looking for the approval of others, then people have the power to hurt and manipulate you by withholding approval that you need. If you're looking for recognition, suddenly you'll feel very important and happy if people recognize you. But when they don't, if you feel criticized, then life becomes overwhelming. And if you hear something disagreeable, say a word of correction, you will have a meltdown. Because your identity is not established in God. You are living in bondage to a spirit of rejection. Think about Jesus. The devil's first attack was targeted at his identity. Jesus, if you are the Son of God, prove it. Do something to impress people. Come on, Jesus. If you're the Son of God, turn the stones into bread. Prove it. Impress us. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple. Show the world how great you are. Are you always feel compelled to impress people? How rich, how powerful, how smart, how successful you are. Number two, a spirit of rejection distorts how you view life. How you see life. Let me tell you, we seldom interpret life through what we see with our eyes, or what we think in our mind. We tend to interpret life through our heart. So if your heart is wounded by rejection because of what has happened to you in your past, you'll view everything through the filter of that wound. Even when people say something nice to you, your heart will tell you, oh, they don't mean it. They don't like me. They don't want me. It may be... Something very simple. A little disagreement, a little word of correction. Your heart will say, they don't like me, they hate me, they're always against me. Then when you see somebody else being honored or being praised, your heart will tell you, so unfair. Should me. You know why people don't like me here. And you feel discouraged. You're frustrated, you're unhappy, you're angry. You cannot rejoice in what other people are doing. And the spirit of rejection will keep working and working and goring and goring your wound. Just goring it <laughs> on the wound of rejections in your heart and cause you to misinterpret people and life. Number three, a spirit of rejection hinders your ability to receive from God. Everything you receive from God, you get it by faith. Everybody say faith. Turn to your neighbours and say, you need to have faith. Rejection fills you with unbelief. It makes you think God will only do it for others, but never for you. Well, this is for everyone else, but not for me. With unbelief, you can't move forward. You can't progress to greater things. You can't believe God for your own personal life, for encounters, for revival for blessings. When I was seven years old, I took part in a coloring contest, primary one. My teacher gave me some instructions as to how all of us should color the drawings. You know, I work on it all day on Saturday, but it was very difficult for me. I'm just not good at drawing, coloring, painting. I'm just not the arty kind. Growing up, my dad was my hero. You know, when you're seven years old, your dad is so big and so smart and so great. Nothing was too hard for him. Back then, my father wasn't a Christian. He was very stressed and he had a terrible temper. I said, Daddy, can you please help me with the coloring? I'm not good at this. My dad tried to help, but it wasn't according to what my teacher has instructed. I said, Dad, you can't do it like that. This is not what teacher said, that we should color the drawings. Dad, please, Dad, no, Dad, no, Dad, this is wrong, Dad. (laughs) My father got so angry and fed up with me, he stood up, took the paper and threw it at my face and walked away. I was only seven years old. But that sense of rejection from an authority figure that I love and respected affected me very, very deeply. From that time, I grew up very afraid to approach my dad for anything. Every year, when I got to give my report card, my hands literally tremble to see him. It also affected how I can have faith, to receive blessings from the, from the Lord. Subconsciously, I thought God is like my father. Fast forward 15 years later, I was at a Christian service, a full gospel businessman convention. I was a youth growing up, praying one day I'll be a pastor of a church. During the altar call, the elderly American preacher, a fatherly figure gave an altar call. All those who want a touch from God, come down to the front. I went forward and I closed my eyes and I wanted to receive Then I heard commotion. I look around, people are falling. People are falling on my left, on my right. I panic. what am I going to do? He came towards me. I think I was so nervous. People falling down on the left, on the right. I wasn't thinking about God. He laid hands on me, I felt nothing. I stood there like a solid rock. I think he got upset, the preacher. He aggressively pushed me to the floor and then walked away. My dad threw the paper at me and walked away. This man pushed me to the floor, walked away. I was so shocked. I felt rejected all over again. I thought to myself, maybe falling down under the power is for others, but not for me. God will never let me have blessings like that. From then on, I could never feel anything during the altar call and certainly not fall under the power. It is just not for me. Started the church. So now a church a few hundred people. When I pray, people fell. When others pray for me, nothing happened. One day, a senior pastor friend, much older than me, asked me a question, Kong, why? Why is it you just cannot fall under the power of God? Right then, the Holy Spirit showed me I needed to forgive my dad for his anger outburst, for his rejection of me. And I also need to forgive that American preacher who was like a father figure who pushed me to the floor and walked away upset. That day, I asked my pastor friend after I'd forgiven them, I said, pastor, can you just pray for me? When he laid hands on me, I was mightily touched by the Holy Spirit, fell on the floor, and wave after wave of God's power washed over me. Hallelujah. Come on, go ahead and give God a big hand. Oh, you want to clap? Let's give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. It was a heavenly encounter. From that day, I became very open and sensitive to receive the power of God. I wonder how many of you have been asking God for blessings, for prayer answers, and you don't seem to be able to receive it. You've been praying, God, I want to speak in tongues for years, (laughs) just can't get it. Is it because you think God will reject you? That you are the exception? Others will receive and be blessed, but not you? Three things the spirit of rejection does. Number one, it attacks your identity. Number two, it distorts how you view life. Number three, it hinders your ability to receive from God. Rejection makes you very lonely. And it fills you with self-pity. It makes you miserable. You feel lousy about yourself all the time. And you nurse it over and over long enough. It makes you depressed and you feel hopeless. When the bondage becomes very, very serious, you may even start to entertain suicidal thoughts. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. I have no future. I'm hopeless. Because life has no meaning. The only kill for rejection is the love of your heavenly Father. It is the only power that can overcome the spirit of rejection. Tonight, you need to come to the Father and open up your heart to His love. Instead of a spirit rejection, God wants to give you the Holy Spirit who is a spirit of adoption. One last verse, Romans 8 and verse 5. Can we all read this out loud together? Starting now. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba! Father, the word Abba means Daddy, Papa. You feel so close and comfortable with God. You can actually call Him Abba, Daddy, Pa, Pa. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you into that very loving and intimate relationship with the Father. Turn to somebody on your left and right and say, you are a son and daughter of God. He wants to heal you of a sense of abandonment and rejection. He wants to make the Father's presence very real and tangible in your life so that you can live every day and you can be very aware, I am loved. Father God is with me. Father God loves me. Now let me tell you one last thing. Acceptance is something very spiritual. It's tangible. When it's there, you can feel it. And that's why the Holy Spirit wants to fill us with the Father's love. He wants to heal the wounds of rejection, set you free from the spirit of rejection. Only then you can receive His love and then give His love to others. How many of you tonight want to be touched by God's love all over again? Put up your hands right now. Come on, let's all stand up on our feet right now. Hallelujah. And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at connect at chc.org.sg